0: Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, making data more accessible and streamlining federal data exchange. It's Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Government Accountability Office has a new Chief Information Officer that's a familiar face. Beth Killoran is joining GAO after serving as Deputy CIO at the General Services Administration. Killoran has held other senior technology leadership roles across government with stops at the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Homeland Security, and U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. The Air Force is moving forward with Wave 1 of its multi-billion dollar enterprise IT as a service program after GAO denied the latest bid protests late last week. The program will outsource basic IT services to free airmen for more specialized cyber-focused network defense and mission assurance. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. Defense Talks is now just over a week away. Hosted by Defense Scoop, Defense Talks is the nation's premier gathering of top uniformed and civilian leaders from the military and C-level leaders from the GovTech community. The loaded lineup includes DOD CIO John Sherman, DARPA Director Stephanie Tompkins, Air Force CIO Lauren Knausenberger, and much more. It's all happening May 11th at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. You can learn more at defensetalks.upgather.com. The U.S. government has issued a number of initiatives to make government data more widely accessible and useful, including the Federal Data Strategy, the Evidence Act, and the Open Government Data Act. Federal technology officials are now making concerted efforts to implement policies to transform data into more valuable assets for their constituents and stakeholders. My Scoop News Group colleague Wyatt Cash was recently joined by Bureau of the Fiscal Service Chief Data Officer Justin Marsico and ICF Vice President for Software Engineering Michael Hulk to discuss how government is making data more accessible. In this highlight from the conversation, Marsako starts by explaining the data sharing role his organization plays in government.
1: And our role is to help to run the financial operations of the federal government. So we do things like help to disperse payments for federal agencies that need to be entered into the financial system. We help to collect revenue that's due to the federal government, whether through taxes or fees. Um, We also do government-wide accounting so that we have a sense of where all of the money that's been appropriated by uh, Congress or authorized to be spent, that we have a good sense of of where that is. Um, We auction treasury securities, savings bonds, something that has been, Uh, on people's minds uh, over the last year, Um, but we also do auctions for institutional investors. So that's what the role of the the fiscal service is. And as you can see, um, there is a lot of information and data that needs to be exchanged with federal agencies in order to make all of this right. So there are um, hundreds of federal agencies in the federal system. Uh, Most of that number are relatively small, um, but, all of those need to have some type of communication and data exchange with uh, the Treasury Department. And that is the the bread and butter of of what we do at the the fiscal service. One of the biggest challenges that we have, um, I would say here at Fiscal, is actually accessing and using our own data internally. I think we have a very mature program uh, that takes data that the public needs to know and makes it available for them to see. We run a website called usaspending.gov. We run another website called fiscaldata.treasury.gov where you can go to get information about federal contracts, federal grants, no matter what agency has is issued them, information about the debt, deficit, um, interest rates um, on those websites. One of the challenges that we face is that when we're trying to answer basic questions about our own finances, our own HR, it often takes a lot of manual effort to get to those answers. So that's one of the things that I've been focused on is partnering with our HR area and our own uh, CFO office to try to figure out how to get data faster where it needs to go um, so that we can do analytics um, with a faster time to market.
2: So, Justin, uh, you know, many agencies are grappling with how to maximize data use and data sharing. One approach, as you know, involves allowing analytics and processing to be done where the data already resides instead of moving data to outside tools and platforms. I'm curious, how feasible do you see that being as a concept in the federal government? And how do you see it unfolding at your agency?
1: Well, in general, I think that it makes sense to take an all-of-the-above approach to solving data problems um, and to see what works for uh, for agencies, how they can build something that is secure, that's fast, that's performant, and that actually answers the questions that they have in the use cases. So I think that there's a lot of possibility in that type of approach. I think one of the downsides that, uh, that one would face in trying to implement that depends on the type of legacy systems that are already in place. Um, So if you have a relatively mature system, uh, a modern system, a system that's been, um, you know, that sits in the cloud and and uses, uh, leverages modern tools, it can be very easy to take that kind of approach where you're leaving the data where it is, you're virtualizing it, you're doing analysis um, somewhere else. If your data is sitting on a mainframe system, um, it could be more challenging Uh, to go about that approach. So I think it's just all about trying to figure out what is the fastest, most cost-effective way to go about doing this. Um, And one other thing I wanted to make sure I I emphasize that you mentioned your question um, is it's important also not to overlook the data sharing part of it. It's not just about technology. Um, One of the things I found is that it really helps to have clear roles and responsibilities for when data sharing needs to take place. And what I've seen is that when those roles are unclear, people tend to default to what they see as a safe position, uh, which is saying, no, this data can't be shared. Um, the challenges in organizations, when you say that over and over again, what happens is that informal channels um, can pop up. People end up pulling reports and sending them over email or, or uh, putting them on share drives. This is something that people talk about a lot. Um, within the data community and the, the InfoSec community. So I think it's it's very helpful to have clearly delineated uh, roles for who makes a decision about when data should be shared, how that decision is made, um, and when the data sharing needs to end, You know, like when the person is done using the data, what happens to it so it's not just sitting somewhere um, unobserved and unaccounted for.
2: Well, Michael, Justin makes some interesting points there. I'm curious, how realistic is it to have analytic tools go to where the data resides instead of the other way around? And what has changed to make that concept something that agencies can realistically achieve?
3: Yeah, so certainly there has been some advances in technology that enables that. Um, So let me give you one example. Within the genomics domain, uh, this kind of the perfect use case. They have really large data volumes sets of data that are just gigantic. Uh, They sometimes contain private health information or PHI in them. So the data sharing can be quite complicated. And the data use agreements to share them uh, is also very complicated. So trying to move that data not only is costly, but it can be very risky and very complicated. So, And then in addition to that, they want to run these really complicated analytics against that data. And so Uh, They they aren't just a single calculation with a single tool, so they they have to do a very complex data analysis pipeline. So the folks at like Global Alliance for Genomic Health have started to find some standards of how to do this. And the first step is to take the tools, the analytical tools that you're going to use and containerize them, Uh, basically package them using something like Docker where you put whatever's required for that tool to run in the container, and then that tool can run anywhere. Anywhere there's compute, sufficient compute, to be able to run it. It doesn't require a specific operating system. It doesn't require specific libraries to be installed or tools, other tools to be installed in that environment. Then once you have all of those tools containerized, right? then you need some sort of a workflow engine to stitch that all together into a pipeline. So take the data instantiate one of the tools, let it run its analysis, and then its output becomes the input for the next tool. And you stitch it all together into a full pipeline that is now a reusable, reproducible pipeline that can be run anywhere as long as there's compute available to do so.
2: So, Justin, back to you. When it comes to analyzing data, what measures are you and your agency colleagues taking to make data analytic tools easier to use and more widely available so that decision makers at all levels have more of a chance to use data for mission success?
1: One of the first things that we did uh, when we were standing up, Um, our data program and our office of the chief data officer a couple of years ago is we started what we call an analytics community of practice. And the goal of this community of practice was to bring together analysts, data scientists in our agency, people who are analysis curious, coming together to learn from what each other is doing, um, both in terms of like how they're coming up with use cases and executing them, but also the the tools and techniques that they're using um, along the way. So to do like a little bit of demoing, a little bit of show and tell, um, a little bit of like meeting and greeting other people um, so that relationships would exist and people would know where to go if they had a question about using a certain um, library in R or Python or something like that. One of the things that we discovered as a result of uh, bringing people together was that we had access to we had approved analytics tools um, that in theory were available to everyone who worked for the fiscal service but people just didn't know about it. Um, So that was a real big realization and something that was very easy for us to accomplish is, is getting people onto a list so that they could actually use the tools that we'd already acquired as an agency. It was just a matter of like connecting the dots. We're really happy about that. The other major thing that we've done in this area is we have been piloting, uh, or we started piloting um, a year or so ago, a data education and upskilling curriculum. And and at the beginning of this fiscal year in October, we launched um, something that we uh, cheekily called Fiscal Data University, which is a, it's like a small cohort of people who work for fiscal service. um, who are going through a year-long program where Um, They're getting access to online training, but then also meeting with people in my office um, on a regular basis to ask questions um, and to make sure that they're generating projects, use cases, which they're actually executing on to help the place where they they work. Um, So I I guess to to summarize, um, we're trying to make sure that people can actually access the tools that we have that they know where their friends are in the organization to help them. They're also getting formal training um, on how to use those tools and become more proficient.
2: And Michael, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. What developments are you seeing that are making data analytics easier and more accessible and maybe as importantly, more insightful for large organizations and agencies in particular?
3: Yeah, so building on kind of what I talked about earlier of the standardization of of kind of moving the analytics to the data. Uh, Some of the standards, like if you containerize the tools in Docker, you can actually share those tools through Docker registry and make those available to other people in in the field that want to do those same kind of types of analytics. Of course, there may be licensing constraints on that. You may not be able to do it with everything, but you can do it with a lot of the tools. And then with some of the new workflow definition languages like CWL, the Common Workflow Language, or WDL, Workflow Description Language, you can define that whole pipeline in a standardized way that's just a shareable XML or JSON file that you can share with other people in the community as well. And by by sharing that kind of analytics, tools and knowledge and process, You're giving the building blocks to the other people in the community to do that kind of same analytics and to build on top of what you've done by allowing them to kind of stand on your shoulders, right? They may be able to discover novel new insights that you never even considered. Another approach we've seen is uh, people using common standardized APIs to access data. One example I'll give you in the healthcare domain is HL7's uh, Fire standard, the Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources. So they're defining an international standard for how to access healthcare data from any kind of a system. And when you have a common API like that, now you can write analytical tools that can query the data using that API that again can run wherever that API exists. And if that API exists on lots of different systems, you enable that analytics across all of those systems. It also enables the interoperable exchange of data. So in some cases, you may have like hospitals who don't have a lot of compute available to do the analytics in the hospital, but they have a collection of hospitals that can report up to a major organization that that can collect that data. So that standard also enables that interoperable exchange of the data from those different places into one location where the analytics could be run. And you can build in all of the authorization, authentication, and security that you need to do for that transport and limit how much data is being moved to just the essential data set required for the analytics.
2: Uh, Justin, I'm just curious how are you seeing data standards impacting the exchange of data with other federal agencies?
1: Well, first of all, I want to. <laughs> just start by saying that uh, data standards or DNS standards are still really important. I think, you know, there's a lot of exciting possibility out there with uh, bringing together loosely standardized data, or non-standardized data with AI and seeing some magic take place. But um, for the time being, the way that we see data standards and the way I would encourage others in the data community to see data standards is as an investment in making your business process easier in the future, making your life easier in the future. And whether that's by standardizing data so that you are driving down or keeping low exception rates in uh, transactional systems or um, you know, to the analytics work that we do, making the process of doing analytics easier, bringing together, joining uh, data together that comes from different systems um, a lot easier. So I just wanted to say, data standards are still really really important. Um, One of the advantages that we have in the financial part of the uh, public sector is that we do have a lot of well-defined standards for data. And that's because that um, we have to comply with different types of accounting rules. We have to comply with different types of reporting requirements, and those requirements force us as financial managers to have standardized data um, in, in a lot of cases at the lowest level that data is, uh, is kept so that when it is reported or audited on, um, it's already in a format um, that is relatively standardized and can be exchanged, um, whether with Treasury um, or with other agencies if, if necessary. One recent example of of this, which I just wanted to highlight quickly, is there was uh, an infrastructure law that was passed um, relatively recently, the bipartisan infrastructure law. And this uh, spending on this law, which will take place by multiple different agencies across the federal community EPA, DOT, energy, um, among others by simply adding a tag to existing data that's reported to USA spending on contract awards, on grant awards, um, we are able to now go in and see in a single place, all of the government spending on the bipartisan infrastructure law. Now they're just at the beginning part of this process of of like identifying awards and uh, and starting to spend on those. But we will be able to track through the life cycle um, of where those funds go that were appropriated um, to help our infrastructure. Um, and that's because all those agencies, EPA, DOT, Energy, and all the others have already done the hard work of standardization. It makes it very easy to come in at the end and add a tag that says, this is where the money came from. And to make all that analysis for you know, people in the public who are wondering you know what are happening with these funds, where they're going, what projects they're supporting easier to find.
2: And lastly, gentlemen, I'd like to hear both of you give your recommendations on what it would take to really improve the exchange of data, especially knowing that agencies still tend to cover their information. Uh, Justin, let's start with you, and then we'll get to Michael.
1: One of the first things that uh, I think is helpful for someone in a data position, uh, whether they're doing analysis or they're doing data management, architecture, leadership, to think about is getting outside of your own community and getting outside of your own bubble i think very often um especially in the data science space we can we can have a uh, a way of thinking that goes something like this get me access to the data and i will show you all the really cool insights um that are going to help you and to help your you know part of the business and that's a great that's a great subset of use cases Um, and i'm not trying to denigrate that at all but Another really exciting place where you can add value is by watching what other people are doing in your organization, where they are struggling with data, where they are doing manual processes with data, where they're applying macros on top of macros. And with a little bit of help from you, you can make their business process a lot easier. So I try to say, like, get out of your own bubble and go meet people, find out what they're doing, um, and see how you can be a strategic advisor or consultant. Um, to help generate faster business value.
2: Great point. And Michael? Yeah, and in
3: building on what Justin just said, actually, one of the things that we've seen a lot of value in is hosting what we call hackathons, where you invite the people who are going to try to use your data and you put your data experts online with them and they bring their tools, they bring their use cases and you just try to figure out how do we get access to the data to do what it is you're wanting to do. And if you can figure it out, great. If you can't, then that becomes requirements, right, for the next generation of the APIs or the methodology for however you're accessing the data. And so those have been very useful, I think. I'm very encouraged to see the the different federal agencies willing to share the data, and I I think that's great. I'm glad to see that that's happening more and more. But I think one of the things I'd also say is, in addition to sharing the data, it would be good if we can also start to share the analytics. You know the tools, the pipelines, and the processes that are being built to do the analytics on that data. and by providing those building blocks to the community, we just make everything better.
2: Also, a great point. Well, Justin Marcico and Michael Hulk, thank you very much for joining us today, sharing your insights about sharing data across government and some of the uh, new opportunities through standards and other tools to make that easier for federal employees. So thank you both for joining us.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You can learn more about data accessibility at the Daily Scoop Podcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again Thursday afternoon. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.